0: Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. So as we get into this chapter, we're going to be talking a lot about the role of God's power in the life of a believer, the role of supernatural divine power in our life as followers of Jesus, and the role that power has in our life to mature our life in the love of Christ. So I want to just talk a little bit about The role of power in this chapter. Chapter three has the most densely packed cluster of. Um, the use of this word for power in all the book of Ephesians. And so this is where Paul really wants to take us deeper into our understanding about this really important concept of spiritual power. Um, He begins this whole conversation about power, actually, in chapter one, in verse 18, where he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know this incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, right there, he talks about that. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, but he doesn't really talk to us about why we need this power and what it's used for in our life. But right here in chapter three, this is where he picks up that theme and takes us deeper and unpacks it for us. All right, So I want to talk about what is this power and why do we need it? And in this little section of verses 14 to 21 in Ephesians three, Paul is going to make three references to power and we're going to look at each reference and unpack the way that it's used in these verses and then draw out from it what the scriptures are saying to us today about God's power in our life. So let's go. The first example is in verse 16 where Paul talks about the power of God to strengthen us through the Holy spirit. So if you go look at verse 16, I'll read it to you right now. He talks about the Holy Spirit strengthening us. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, so what do we learn here? That number one, that this power is given to us is mediated to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we learn that the purpose of that power is, through the spirit is to strengthen us. So God's power is given to us through the spirit for the purpose of strengthening us in our inner being, in our inner life, in our spirit. And that is for the purpose of what he says for the purpose of Christ dwelling in our hearts. So the question I want to ask is why do we need power for Christ to dwell within us? Right? Because this is where Paul talks about the spirit's power to strengthen us for the purpose of Jesus dwelling within us. But again, why do we need power for Jesus to dwell in us? Now to understand that we've got to go back to chapter two, verse one. I read this last week, but we need to come back to it again. Let me read this scripture from chapter two, verse one. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So Paul's talking about us being dead spiritually because of sin. He goes, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander, get this, of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So why do we need power? Well, there's two really big reasons that Paul outlines here. We need power through the spirit to strengthen us for Christ to dwell within us. Number one, because we were spiritually dead in our sins apart from Christ, not just limping along, not just kind of incapacitated, but he uses the word dead because he's trying to communicate to us the absolute total helplessness of our condition spiritually, the absolute incapacity of our ability to recognize God in our life and to be in a meaningful life-giving relationship with Jesus. Number two, not only are we dead in our sin, not only is our will completely dead in its capacity to cooperate with God. But there is another spiritual force or power that is exercising influence and dominion over our inner lives. And as it says here, he is the spirit at work in the hearts. So we need power from the Holy spirit because there's already another spirit that is at work in our hearts. Your heart is under the power and the rule of another spiritual being. And so we need a greater power, greater than this pre-existing power to overturn it and overcome it and to deliver us and set us free. So what Paul is doing here is he's pulling back the curtain on this heavenly realm again. And maybe for some of you, this is an uncomfortable topic, right? Because for some of us, we're just, we're materialists. We're used to this looking at the world through our five senses, what we can see, touch and feel and hear and taste, but Paul is pressing us into a deeper dimension of reality and he's trying to pull back the curtain and open the door for us into this unseen realm, what he calls the heavenly realm. And it's in this unseen realm where we see that there are spiritual beings, spiritual powers, rulers, and authorities that are evil and that are of the darkness, but also in this spiritual realm. We see that Christ is seated in authority over those spiritual powers. We see that, that for those who follow Jesus, they are seated with Christ as well. And it's in this realm that everyone who follows Jesus has every spiritual blessing. Now this heavenly realm that Paul is trying to get us to become aware of was really relevant to these believers. If you go back and read Ephesians 19 and 20, you'll see that it's in Ephesus that um, Paul prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit on these believers. It's in Ephesus that spiritual power was flowing through Paul to the point where people were being healed by simply touching aprons and handkerchiefs that touched him. It's in this realm that it's in this, in this story where people were going around and using the name of Jesus and Paul to cast demons out of people. There's this one story, the sons of Siva where they are trying to cast a demon out of this guy. And the demon says to them, Paul, Jesus and Paul, I know, but you, we have never heard of. And that demon through that person beats the crud out of those seven guys and sends them out bruised and bleeding. And so there was a real understanding and a need to understand the role of power in their lives. But I think the same is true in our life today. There's a need to understand God's power at work in our life. Because I think even, even like these guys, we can all relate to these areas of our life. that just feel hopelessly trapped and enslaved to thoughts or emotions or compulsions in our life that we feel like we cannot break forces of anxiety and fear, greed and pride, lust, and, um, and the need to possess more and more things. There are these forces that work within us that if we're honest, we find ourselves kind of feeling stuck in. And so this is why we need to understand the role of God's power in our life. The power to free us from sin and the power to free us from the influence of spiritual forces that are stronger than we are. Now, this is really important, right? Because it takes divine power to free us from these forces of sin, self and Satan. So when you accept Jesus as the authority and the power in your life, he doesn't just give you power. He gives you himself, his very presence. So Jesus comes to actually live inside of you. And the result is that you become one with God. This is, at the very core of what it means to be a Christian before we get to anything else about what it, how to define the Christian life before we get to any of our behaviors or practices or any kind of ritual, like reading the Bible or going to church or even good things like giving generously or practicing hospitality. These things are good. But before we get to any of those things, the core fundamental truth of the Christian life, it's a life of becoming one with God. It is about the indwelling presence of Jesus in the heart of that person. Theologians call this the mystical union with Christ, the mystical, the mysterious union of a person with God himself. And that's because in Colossians 1 27, Paul actually uses these terms. So he actually says, he calls this indwelling of Christ, the glorious mystery that is Christ in you and it is a mystery i mean it's not something we can really understand it's beyond it's transrational it goes beyond our ability to wrap our mind around because it's not just metaphorical language it's not just sentimental talk but there is a real mystical or what we could call a supernatural union between our spirit and god or his thoughts begin to flow alongside our thoughts, where his emotions fill our emotions, where his life begins to energize our life. Have you ever had experiences where you felt that oneness with Christ? Now, just because we feel it or don't feel it doesn't change the ever present reality that you are one with God, that's not dependent on your emotions. But I'm just wondering, when was the last time you really were aware of that reality? Or maybe like other people um, who don't know Jesus, this is something that you've longed for. You've longed to know God in you personally and powerfully. When was the last time you experienced that presence in your life? Or maybe today God wants to stir your heart because you need that awareness of God's presence renewed in you. Now I want to go on to the second use of power and that's in verse 18. Now this is the spirit's power to enable us to grasp and know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So let me read it to you. He goes on and he says, may you have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep, is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now, I want to ask this question. So, if he's writing to believers and they're already, as he puts it, rooted and established in Jesus' love, why is he continuing to pray that they would have power to know and grasp God's love? Because that's what this is about. This is about the Spirit's power to enable us to grasp and know more and more of God's love in our life, but why keep, continue to pray for it when we already have it? And that's because in verse 19, he says something really important. So look at verse 19. He says this, that this is a love that surpasses knowledge, right? It's like inexhaustible. You can never fully wrap your mind around the magnitude and the vastness of God's love. I remember when I first became a believer I had a profound encounter with Jesus's love. Whenever I describe my coming to faith, I describe it in two phases. The first phase was an awareness that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus and the realization by not having a relationship with Jesus that I wasn't right with God. And that if I wasn't right with God, there was the risk of spending eternity separated from God. Now that got my attention and woke me up, but that's not what really converted me. It got my attention, but it didn't transform me. What changed me was the night that I experienced for myself firsthand, not because someone else told me about it, not just because I read about it, but because I experienced for myself the flooding of God's love being poured into my inner being. Now, that was a powerful moment. But now fast forward, like it was like about, 10 years after that moment, no 12 years. And I had this thought cross my mind. I haven't experienced God's love like that since I became a believer. And I began to wonder, man, was that just like a one-time deal? And as I started digging into the lives of men and women who have walked closely with God, I began to realize that that doesn't have to be a one-off experience. We're actually meant to continue to grow and expand in our experience of God's love. So I started to pray for more of God's love. And before I knew it, I didn't mean to go this way. I just started praying for a fresh baptism of the spirit. I already had the spirit. I walked up to somebody at church one time and said, Hey, would you pray for me to have a fresh baptism of the spirit? And she said, are you a believer? And I said, yeah, I'm a believer. And she goes, well, then you already have the spirit. But I think she was missing something here. She was missing this reality here that Paul was praying. They already know God's love, but he's praying that they would know it more and more and more because he knows from his own experience that there's no way in this side of heaven, you can ever exhaust the height, the width, and the depth of God's love. And that means that there should be a hunger in us to want to continue to grow and mature in our experience and our expression of that vast love of God. One of my favorite Bible teachers, John Stott in explaining the width and the length and the height of God's love puts it this way. He said that these are the four dimensions meant to communicate the magnitude of God's love. It's so wide. It embraces all mankind, Jews and Gentiles, every ethnic group in the world, which is what Paul is really concerned about in the letter of Ephesians that God's love is broad enough to encompass the entire world. Number two it is so long that it lasts for eternity. Number three, it is so deep. It reaches us in our lowest moments in the depths of our darkest moments and nightmares. And number four, it is so high. It raises us up with Christ to seat us in the heavenly realms in honor and in glory. It's a powerful four-dimensional way of beginning to wrap our mind around the magnitude of God's love for us in Christ. Then we need power because, well, it says in verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So number one, we need power to begin to wrap our mind around a, a love that surpasses our knowledge. But number two, we need power so that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What this is saying is, is that the deepest revelation that the spirit has to give to you and to me is the revelation and the continued revelation of God's love for you and his love through you to those around you a lot of people right now are really excited about end times and understanding the relation between end time prophecy and the affairs of the world. And that has value. A lot of people get really into numerology and the role of numbers in the Bible and what that says about God and what he's doing. And that's fine. There's some legitimacy to that. The the ancient Hebrew writers love numbers, but that is not the deepest revelation. You can never have a deeper revelation than the revelation of the width and the height and the depth and the length of God's love for you and the ways in which he wants to reveal to you the expression of that love through you to the people sitting right next to you in your own home, the person living next to you in your neighborhood, the person who annoys you in the checkout line and irritates you on the, on the freeway during traffic. And that's because this, this is the reason, because the true measure of a Christian life is their growth and maturity in love. Let me say that again. Because the true measure of a Christian life is their growth in love. Let that just sink in for a moment. That's in the end what God cares about. If you have wisdom and can understand mysteries, if you have faith that moves mountains, but you are not growing and the love of Christ for you and through you. Then Paul says, You are nothing, and you understand nothing, and you accomplish nothing. And that takes us to the final place of power, and that's in verse 20. And this is where it all comes together. And I want to read this prayer because it's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. Let me read this to you. He says, This is like my core verse whenever I think about revival. And I want to talk to you about what Paul was really saying here. So the first thing that grabs my attention is this idea that God is able and wants to do immeasurably more in your life and in our world than we could ever ask or imagine. Now, how does that stir your heart? The idea that God wants to do more, so much, inconceivably more than you could ever even imagine. I mean, it's an exciting thought that God has this desire and this inclination and he has this track record. But look at what Paul says about how God does this immeasurably more. Listen to what he says. He says, according to his power, but he doesn't stop there. And if he stopped there, that would be cool. Okay, God, according to your power, that's so amazing. You just do amazing things, but he doesn't stop there. He says, according to his power, that is at work in the mighty angels. He doesn't say that, that is at work through Jesus. Yes, that is true, but that is not what he's saying here. Listen to what he says. According to his power, that is at work within us. Now, this is just, just, I mean, just stop and think about that, that God wants to do immeasurably more in our world, but it's a power that he exercises in our world through you and through me. It is a power that he exercises through us so that every generation will see his glory and his wonders. And I think in every generation, God is stirring men and women with these revelations of the width and the length and the depth and the height of his love to awaken us to his power to move through us, to touch our world. And the Bible is full of these moments where men and women wake up to that power of God. Habakkuk 3.2 records this to the eternal one. I have heard the reports about you and I am in awe when I consider all you have done. But that's not where the writer of Habakkuk finishes. He doesn't just stop and w- gaze and wonder what God has done. Watch what he says here. "O eternal one, revive your work in our lifetime. Reveal it among us in our times. Every generation needs its own revival. And when we allow the Holy spirit to reveal the magnitude of God's love for us, as we allow that realization, that awareness to grow, that that empowers us to be men and women who say, God, I saw what you did. I'm crying out to you again right now. Do it again. Do it in my family. Do it in my life. Do it in my church. Do it in my neighbor. I want to just carry this with us into worship for a moment. As you go into worship, where is God stirring you for a fresh move of his spirit? Where is he awakening you to the depth of his love? Where do you sense the need for more of his power and his spirit in your life? So what is Paul talking about in this passage? He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us that Christ might dwell in us. The power to open our eyes, to grasp and to know the width and the length, the height, and the depth of Christ's love more and more with every passing year of our life. It is the power to fill us with all the fullness of God. And it is the power to awaken us to see that what God has done in ages past, God is continuing and wants to do today in our world and in our life because God loves you. When you realize just the depth of God's love for you here and now today, it just sets you free to go, man, God didn't want to just do great things before he wants to do those things now here in me around me. And so I want to just take a moment to just lead us in prayer, to cry out to God, to just ask God to open us to his love with fresh power and to stir our hearts to believe that that power is meant to to be a, an unstoppable force in you and in our world right now. Let's pray. God, we just welcome your spirit to awaken us to your love. If we are not yet followers, I pray that you would open our hearts to reach out to you, to place our faith in you, to receive your forgiveness for our sin. And for those of us who have been following you, but you just stir our heart that no matter how much we have learned about your love, we've only just begun stir in us a hunger and a thirst to know this love more deeply. Awaken in us a passion for revival, for our life to be revived and to see the immeasurably more of your power at work in our world again. God, we pray what you've done in the past. We pray, would you do it again? Would you do it in our life? Would you do it in our families? Do it in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.